We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. What is up, hotties? Welcome back to another episode of Stay Hot. I'm Bladen Kirk, joined as always by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, Matthew Spahnauer and Theo Ash. We have a great episode planned for you all today. Today, we're going to be touching on... Uh, a lot of the free agent moves that were made this offseason, a lot of players on new teams. We're going to be taking some of our favorite picks of those players that are on new teams and just talking about which ones we like the most. Now, one thing I do want to point out, uh, we're not going to like bring, we're not going to do like Jalen Ramsey or Jesse Bates. And I, I, I'm glad that we all kind of made the note to not pick those guys because yes, they're positive additions, but they would have been good fits on any team, right? So I, 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 I don't think know about it, that. I don't know if you don't think Jalen Ramsey would have been a good fit on any team. Maybe if you feel like he's a particularly good fit on Miami, then you could say him then. I, I suppose. I, I just I don't know. It, it it feels more interesting to be like this team had a very glaring need. They went out and got a, a, a good player, maybe not like the best at their position or like one of the top three players at the position, but like this is still yeah, a very yeah. good addition. So that's, I, I'm yeah. just glad that we were all kind of on board with that I, ideology there. But before we get in into the dead that, of Matt the Theo. <laughs> my, my mindset on it was like in the dead of the off season, there was like a flurry of moves during free agency mm-hmm. and we're kind of circling back to maybe talk about some guys that we hadn't talked about already. And I don't know if we've talked about Bates yet, so maybe I'll make some sort of video on him, but I guess we haven't like talked about him like in the off, but like we talked about him a lot during like the season and during the playoffs, I feel like, cause it was like that stretch where he like wasn't playing super well. And then he like, turned it he like turns he's it on pretty good i just don't know if he's worth the contract that he got yeah yeah hitting on but. bates it, he's he's a good signing for atlanta to, to be like a, a deep safety like that i think to play pay him like a top 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 like the top safety in the league i guess i don't know off the top of my head because he, he wasn't in my notes um how many yeah. 64 million 36 guaranteed i don't know how where that ranks him not one i would assume probably like four 
Yeah, I think the the Bengals are going to be fine not paying him. I'll say that. I agree. But if you're the Falcons and you haven't had a good defense in, you know, who knows how long, and you've got Desmond Ritter at quarterback who's not making much money. So you've got, you know, the stuff to spend. You, you know, you right. might as well bring in a, a guy like Bates, who's certainly a very solid player and probably an, an upgrade over what they've had in years past. And, and that's just kind of the general sense. Of right. I mean, they're the, yeah, the best safety they had in the past two years is what Keanu Neal. I don't know. Am I forgetting someone? I don't Falcons fans. Let us know who the best safety of the last decade is for you guys um <laughs> but matthew how are you guys doing today I, I we haven't gotten to talk about how your days are going this beautiful sunday i'm doing pretty well i watched uh, the first episode of the tour de france documentary on netflix hmm. and it was i i really liked the first episode and would recommend if you like sports and you like competition i would recommend checking it out even if cycling doesn't particularly grab you <laughs> uh the the doc is is pretty intense at least the first episode um definitely got me hooked after just about like two minutes of watching i was like oh yeah this is gonna be pretty cool so it's all about last year's tour and then this year starts on the first so it gives you kind of a breakdown of all the teams i guess and then i guess you can kind of pick who to root for come june 1st and i think that the profiles on the competitors and the teams seem to be very well done. And I was, I was very invested. So that's my little TV recommendation to start off the episode. That's, that's neat. I, I've, I've been thinking about if I was going to get into another sport, it would be like formula one racing. I just think like, like fast cars are just so cool. <laughs> They're There's just a lot so of cool. sports Twitter that cares about formula one. And I think Netflix has a documentary about F1 racing. That's too. that's what I heard. They said that because I tweeted about it, and someone was like, "You need to watch this, and it'll give you like a really great intro." So that's why, like, I brought it because like, yeah. they have the same I think thing. It might, that, like, I think the Tour de France kind of follows the same beats in terms of uh, how it's structured. It, it feels like, okay. and I don't know. Maybe if you're really into cycling, I was talking to Twitter user sports. Tw- sports tweeter matthias about the doc <laughs> and he's very much into cycling okay and he said there were some storylines that he wanted to see that got missed in the doc oh gotcha. but like i don't know that right like i don't right. i don't know i don't care there's you can you can withhold any information you want from me and it's not like oh i wish i was there because <laughs> i don't know it so as a extreme casual uh i i thought it was cool but f1 i know for for step in for step in that's about the only driver. I don't. I don't know anyone. I just know cars go fast and it looks cool. Verstappen, <laughs> or however you pronounce it, is the best of the F one. Okay. Um, drivers. Okay. This I know. Got you, Matt. How are you doing today? Doing all right. I went out and saw the Reds game on Friday. I got to see um, Ellie De La Cruz at the cycle in person. So that's pretty sick. Nice. What um, What does that mean? Game. I actually have no idea. I saw people tweeting about that. I have no idea what that means. It means you hit a home run, a triple, a double, and a single all in the same game. It's only okay. happened 300 odds, like some odd times. Um, That's crazy. So, I mean, and it was, they won 11 10. They've lost the last two since, but um, Atlanta's a good team. So, they're a lot of fun. They're, they're a dope team to watch. I've been to two games this year, and both of them have been five run comebacks. So, they're, they're nuts. <laughs> they're Ellie. 
You I'm, need to I'm go to all the games. <laughs> I'm we're lucky. going. We're going next week, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. So, well, if you guys want to talk about some actual football, talk about some free agency moves that we like, some fits that we like across the NFL. We're taking a look at NFL players that are on new teams. Theo, why don't you start us off? Uh, I'm actually surprised that you have Marcus Davenport here. That well, I was more interested were... in in <laughs> the signing more than I think it's a great fit. I did not okay. quite pick my players to break down in the same way you did where it's fits okay. that you like. It's kind of Got fits you. that I haven't totally studied yet. And watching Davenport... And his 0.5 sack season, I, I definitely think that he outperformed that number um, last year with the Saints. I think that he looks very powerful. He's a little bit like Tyree Wilson, really. Like Tyree Wilson and Marcus Davenport were not at all too dissimilar coming out of their respective schools in their respective years. And, you know, Wilson went, what, seventh overall, sixth overall, something like that. Right. And Davenport went a little bit later, but the draft capital given up to get him was probably about the same, considering the Saints traded up a first round pick to take him. And he's he's real powerful and he's got really long arms. And when he locks his arm out, I mean, offensive linemen can't really reach him at all. And then he has a powerful bull rush. And from that position, he can disengage. And his pressure numbers over the past couple of years have been better than the sack numbers. But it's been a lot of years and the sack numbers have never really come. So at this point on the second contract, you know, you're wondering if they ever will, because in terms of bend, I would, I didn't see much of it at all. And when you can't really threaten around the outside, it's, it's tough to be a, you know, 10 plus 11 plus sack a year guy. And I just don't know if that's really there for him. In terms of his run defense, I don't think he's particularly twitchy. Um, so it's like he might be able to stack, but to shed and then get into the tackle in one quick motion. I I, I think that he can do it. It's just not, he's, he's not one of the best at it. He's not like notably quick for how big he is, which you might expect for someone who is a first round pick like that. He's about exactly as quick as you think he is when you just look at him um, on the field. Yeah, I, I've got to say, Theo, I'm not too excited about, <laughs> you know, how this bodes based on what you said I know. Said well, so he had 0.5 sacks last year. 0.5. He played a bunch of games. He didn't even get one. All right? So, like, there's not going to be this, oh, he's going to be he's going to be his best season yet, and he's great at everything, and he's a total fluke. Like, there's some real weaknesses to him. But he does have, like, the power is notable. Like, it really is, I think, okay. strongly above average. And he's got a couple moves. It's not elite. Um, and the counters, I think, could use some work when the first thing doesn't fail. But when he really is going into it, like, I'm going to chop the hands away. I'm going to cross chop, something like that. Like, he's got that in there. So between that and the power, I think that there's just enough there to be, you know, more than, yeah, he had nine sacks before and his pressure rate has been a lot higher in the past. And in Brian Flores' defense, I think that if you were to put him, if you were to move him around and put him over guards more than the Saints did, I don't think that's a bad idea because if you're going to be rushing a guard, I feel like the bull rush and, and power is more of what you're looking for from a, a guy who lines up kind of everywhere. And I do think that he's got the strength to do it. So I, I think I like him to bounce back 
from a disappointing 2022 season with the Vikings in 2023. I think that he is powerful enough to, to be a kind of a chess piece that can play inside and out. Uh, as far as the contract goes, I think it's a fine deal. I don't think it's a steal. I, I don't think that it's a, a too massive of an overpay. And really, I, I think after watching him, I thought this is a fine piece to a defense. And it's not really a hot take either direction that he's a stealer. You know, he is what his 0.5 sack season is. I think that he's a downgrade over Zadarius Smith, but enough to be a, yeah. a good starter or a fine starter in that spot. And I think I was a little bit confused about how the Saints rotated last year because towards the end it was not him and Jordan out there at the same time Cam Jordan that is it was mm -hmm. like Cam Jordan and Kapasin Kapogs I don't know how to number 90 <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his last name and I wish they were yeah. on the field a little bit more towards the end it just really feel like maybe it was injury but he, he kind of fell out of favor there towards the end but I think a, a change of scenery is going to be good for him uh, he's got the inside out versatility that I assume Flores is going to take advantage of although I wouldn't want him dropping into coverage i don't think i i think I, maybe if it's a pass I rushing down like I put him at i would want him to have someone else drop not not him <laughs> daniel hunter or something i don't know but i i think it was a perfectly acceptable signing and it's not a really crazy take or anything like that but i watched it and i was like okay that's a that's a starter right there but not a good one <laughs> not a great one <laughs> i i think that's a very bold take i know guys, i know Mark. I, I'm Look, a little disappointed because I saw that and I thought you were you were hyping up Marcus Davenport I know. once again, and I was I was ready for it. And now you now you come on to this podcast and you just say he's okay. <laughs> Have a little bit of faith. His power his power is real good. It's just there's a certain amount of bend that you need as a pass rusher to be an elite one, and I just don't think that he quite has it. And I think if his moves really develop, like if he can really get the the counters down, but it's like, they're not really there. So Do you think Tyree more, Wilson has that bend? I think he has a little bit more than, or I think, think if he can time up the snap, right. I think it'll be better and he'll be more of a threat al along the outside shoulder than, than, um, so the answer is now <laughs> cause he's got strength up the arc and, and so does Davenport, I suppose. But yeah. I, I do think that, Tyree Wilson is just so tall. He takes kind of longer steps and gets there faster. And from that position, he's got so much strength that he can hold his line. Who knows if it translates to the league, but I would be pretty disappointed if he doesn't try to win that way a little bit more frequently than Davenport does. And it doesn't have to be much because the power is intimidating and, and, from the power, you can work other things. And for some people, it's from the bend, you can work certain things, you know? And I think that there's just, I think with Tyree Wilson, there will be just enough of an outside threat if he can time up the snap better and eliminate all the false steps that he takes to, to threaten that way and occasionally win that way. That'll never be his game. Um, certainly it's possible that he ends up just like Davenport and it never really comes. And he just is a power guy over and over and over again. And it's like, he doesn't, he doesn't have it. Uh, that is absolutely in the range of possibilities for, for him. But 
I'm hoping that there's a little bit more there. And I think there can be. I think PFF compared him to Davenport. And I, I read, I, it was it someone. surprise me if you look at their scouting reports, it's about the exact same. <laughs> and yeah, it's certainly someone that I thought of as like length and power, length and power. It's Yeah. Wilson is a bit more of a, I think he's even longer than Davenport is. He's not quite as stocky. He's like taller and, and leaner, it looks like. And, and Davenport is a little bit more thick. He's thicker. Today's episode of Stay Hot is brought to you by our friends over at Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made for you. Listen, when I used to play golf, I was always rocking Oakley, whether it be visors, whether it be glasses, whether it be gloves. So you always got to trust Oakley, man. And they're really changing the game out here. And it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or maybe you just want to look like your favorite athlete, Lamar Jackson or Justin Jefferson? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Here at Stay Hot, we're all about look good, feel good, play good. That's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. We don't leave the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And with summer just around the corner, that means you need to upgrade your sunglasses game now. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, what is that, you might ask? Well, it's a proprietary technology unique to Oakley, perfectly suited for both peak performance and everyday settings. Want to know more? Well, you can head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, go ahead and get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn tons of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Theo always mentions how they literally change, change the colors in your everyday world. It's crazy. So head on over to oakley.com for more information today. That's fair. I, I, again, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm shocked that you just came and you're just like, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fine. Right. He's probably like, <laughs> I would expect him to line up so three weird. tech plenty of times over guards plenty of times. And I would expect if I was the Vikings, seven sacks and a pressure rate in like 10, 11%. I, I think that that's probably a, a valid expectation for him, which is a pretty good defensive lineman. It's an improvement from last year for sure. It's not because they had Zedarius to do that last year, but Zedarius wanted to make well, a trade. I'm saying it's an improvement from Davenport for Davenport. Oh, for last yes, year. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, not an improvement from Zedarius, but Zedarius is in Cleveland now. But that's, that's not right. that's not the Cleveland guy that I like the most. I I mean, really, if we wanted to, I we could sit here and just list off all, all the additions, <laughs> yeah, the additions the Browns made. Elijah Moore, Zedarius Smith, Ogbonk, Aronkwell, Dalvin Tomlinson. But the guy that I like the most is they the last one. They did have a great offseason. I think Dalvin is the biggest impact addition, though. I, I cannot remember the last time the Browns had like a really good interior defensive lineman. So I'm really excited to see how this season goes, especially like... Obviously, the impact that he's going to have is like an anchor in the run defense, and he's going to be able to push guards, which we haven't had in a long time. Um, he's going to be able to move people around and make his own direct impact in the run game. But also, the the impact of like, we have really small linebackers, right? JOK is really tiny. He's not really going to be able to shed blocks quickly and and like disperse second level blockers. But if 
Dalvin Tomlinson can take up those guys and, and can eliminate those guys from getting to the second level, then all of a sudden that makes JOK's job easier. I mean, just, just yes. like across the board, he's going to completely change the defense. I'm just like, I'm, I've never been more excited. Like the Browns defense should be. They, they killed for, the offseason, but they should who be ferocious. Did you pick as your player to talk about that's, it wasn't. Dalvin. That's Dalvin. Wait, it was Dalvin. Oh, you did pick Dalvin. That's right. Yeah. You did pick <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I, I just we were went on, on a that tangent rant. about the Browns. I apologize. No. This is in the right. No, I, I p- <laughs> the pivot was so tri- so smooth that it was. It was so. Smooth, I didn't even notice. You know? But keep going about Dalvin. Then <laughs> he's like, he's like, no, keep going. No, I just I, when when I when I think about like the Browns' run defense and and all the pro- it was like the worst in the league last year. So the the one thing that they really needed to, to add was a high level interior defender, and you know they added Zadarius, and they added Akaranquo, and they added, uh, you know, uh, who's the the safety they added from Kansas City, um, Thornhill. Yeah, Juan Thornhill. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, I don't I don't have any like negations with those additions, and I don't have any negations with the the addition of Elijah Moore on on offense either, but. It's, you know, bringing in Dalvin, like I would have brought him in for like almost any price point, almost any, not literally any, but almost any price point. Um, and I would have been happy with it because we just like literally have, we have, we just had no other juice at, at that spot at all. So. Yeah. And, and Zadarius was even better than Dalvin was last year. Like Dalvin Tomlinson <laughs> As far as the Vikings and the Browns go, if we're talking about the Vikings getting Davenport and then trading Zedarius to the Browns, and that kind of fits with both of our topics here, Zedarius is definitely more of a, a hooper than Marcus Davenport is. Like, Zedarius is a guy who can <laughs> break out some spins. And yeah, yeah, he's, he's someone who has a bit more moves, I feel like, and yeah. is a little bit more of an exciting watch than someone who's bull rush, bull rush, bull rush. And yeah, but they'll be doing. Year. I mean, they'll be doing different things, right? Doubt like I. I expect Zadarius. Zadarius is going to fill the role that Clowney was supposed to be doing, which is to be a, a like a complimentary pass rusher to Garrett, right? Mm-hmm. Because Clowney wasn't really doing that, especially especially not last year. Um. But Dalvin Tomlinson need like his his number one job fix the run defense like right away, like that that is the number one focus that I have with with him. That's all I have on that. Dalvin is going to be a great addition. Matt, I'm not surprised to see Mr. Von Bell on this list for you. New yeah, Carolina I mean, Panther, I, I, tell us about him. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought it was a really good addition for them. Bell is kind of a do-it-all, strong safety, I'd classify him as. Uh, he can line up in the box. Uh, the Bengals blitzed him a fair number of times. Um, he lines up against tight ends relatively successfully. If he's too high with somebody else, he's pretty good. The one thing I'd say is like you don't really want him in single high. He doesn't quite have the range to do that consistently but if he gets put in that situation it's not you know a a guaranteed disaster or anything it's just uh, you don't want to regularly line him up there but what makes me excited about this fit for the Panthers 
is that I think he opens up Jeremy Chin to do a lot of the stuff that Jeremy Chin is supposed to be doing. And this was kind of the challenge for the Panthers uh, going into this offseason is that they're changing what they're doing on defense. They're going from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And a lot of the guys that they're getting are sort of just people to fill a new role that they didn't have somebody filling before because, again, yeah, they're going to a new system. Um, And while Bell, I guess, doesn't really fall under that category because, like, you know, a safety is a safety kind of regardless of what you're doing in the front seven. Um, it is true that he he's – I think he's the guy I trust the most to fill the role. He, he feels less like a role player, more like someone who I, who I know will be solid in their position. And I think Jeremy Chin is going to be able to move down towards the line of scrimmage and do the stuff that he's supposed to do more because of it. Because last um, – Last season, he was uh, away from the line of scrimmage the most he'd ever been. Uh, I think he had more snaps outside of the box than in. I could be wrong about that. That might not be true, but it was the it was the least in the box he'd ever played. And he's a very physical guy who should be on the line of scrimmage and that type of stuff. Uh, so Bell, I think, just fills a role that they need filled and opens up other guys to go do what they're supposed to be doing. And I think that's probably the definition of a good fit. Yeah, I imagine Jeremy Chin kind of can play in the when I, when I think of Jeremy Chin, I'd want him like what Kyle Hamilton is doing for Baltimore right now. Mm. And Kyle Hamilton, he played up high at Notre Dame a decent amount, but you never see him do it with the Ravens. He's someone that they basically treat like an overhang or slot corner, uh, taking the flats and blitzing and being physical and, and getting involved in the run fits. And that's how I want Jeremy Chin to be like. He's really athletic mm-hmm. and can operate in space, but he's also big. And, and physical and strong. So anytime you get someone who is, you get a stat like, well, he's spending more and more and more and more and more time outside of the box. Like that's, that's not really where you want him. I, th- I think you want him playing like a zone underneath triggering and tackling on anything underneath because he's just so physical and getting involved with the run fits. Like that is ideally, I think, and, and jamming tight ends and, and dealing with slot receivers more than maybe outside guys deep down the field. So if, if Von Bell is able to unlock that version of Jeremy Chin, and Von Bell can be that guy too. And, you know, maybe they think Von Bell is, Jeremy Chin is really good up high and, and he performed well and they want him to do that. Well, that gives their slot corner, like perhaps, I or, think- or a big a big nickel type of look more credibility because I think they want to spend time in big nickel because their corners are so bad, right? Like they should have <laughs> all three safeties. I don't think you want, like, if you're playing single high, I don't think you want Chin back there, and I don't think you want Bell back there. You want, who's their free safety, Matt? Woods. Woods back there. But that doesn't mean you don't want Bell and Chin on the field at the same time. I think if you're looking at their secondary and just trying to put, like, the best five or six corners out there, I guess five defensive backs out there, three of them should be safeties because the cornerback depth is so limited. So it's like, I don't know if there were great corners in free agency, but they got a pretty good safety. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still concerned about this secondary. I still don't think the Panthers defense is going to be that good. Uh, There are a lot of positions where they're an injury away from being a disaster, but uh, I I really did like the bell signing. Mm Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. and, and if I, you're I'm in look, big nickel, I'm, if you're in big up. nickel, all you need is one corner. So it's like you don't need CJ Henderson and Dante Jackson out there. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's yeah. enough. 
Yeah. And Matt, I looked it up. You you are right on on the numbers there on how much Jeremy Chin his alignment has changed. It's it's not he's still playing more in the box than he is over top. Um but he was playing five hundred box snaps in twenty twenty one and a little under four hundred last year. So it's pretty substantial. Yeah, and then he's he's just not he's just not great up top. He's not like that. And he came into the league as kind of a tweener. And he just he just doesn't have the you gotta be really sharp if you're gonna be up high. You gotta really like read and know where you're going right away. And and I'm not saying that he can't do that, but that's a very different thing from from reading like a run fit versus reading mm-hmm. like you know, uh, where are the quarterback's eyes and where do I need to be closing to? You can't really have a gambler or anybody who's like guessing at safety because one mistake and it's a big touchdown. Like chin down in the box, you know, if you're down in the box and you read something out wrong, you're going to be pretty much fine. Like maybe they run through the gap and someone else cleans it up farther down the field than it would have been. But it's not usually a mistake like that's too killer. And I haven't watched too much Jeremy Chin to give you like a full rundown of exactly what changed between 2021 and 2022 and the flaws. But if we're using PFF grades, like his, it took a big dip from 2021 to 2022. And I don't totally trust their grades on safeties, but I do believe just based on the player that Jeremy Chin is going from the box to up high more is probably not what you want. And it makes sense that his coverage oh, grade went from like a 74 to a 58 in those years. Now, you know, it pressure will be taken off of him, and that's good yeah. because he's still a, a useful player for sure. I read this. I do think backwards. PFF is always kind of Hold underrated. Chin, maybe a little bit. I read this backwards on his alignment. So it was five. It was so it was three ninety box snaps in twenty twenty, five ten in twenty twenty one, a hundred and seventy four box snaps in twenty twenty two. That's really low. Who's banged up? Uh, yeah, but even like just compared yeah. to like his free safety snaps, they were like on they were like at the same level and then he played most of his snaps in the slot. Okay. Yeah. So, so hopefully hopefully that'll change. Right. Theo, your next guy, another another shocker from Theo Ash NFL. Shocker. Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah, oh. these are two these are two um just like players I feel like you've been critical of in the past. And, and now you're like, yeah, that's it could be interesting. <laughs> well, I just have takes on Tremaine Edmonds. Look, okay. I, I'm not <laughs> super high on Tremaine Edmonds. Like, like, like I said at the top of the show, these are not fits that I'm like totally in love with and I think are going to be home runs. These are just yeah. players I wanted to research and talk about because I haven't, I didn't think that I've really made my opinion on these signings. No, but for Edmonds, it's, I think I have. I've said that it is a signing that I wouldn't have made. Um, I would have probably just paid Roquan Smith if I'm going to invest that much money in linebacker. And I've just still had this on my mind all these months later, and I kind of wanted to articulate exactly why that is. And it's not Bears fans who are probably turning the show off right now. Like, (laughs) it's not that bad because Tremaine Edmonds is a better fit for what Eberflus wants than Roquan is. Like, that's probably true. Like, they want their linebackers to keep eyes on the quarterbacks, just kind of hop around, read their eyes, drift into passing lanes, and when the ball is thrown, get your arms up and and make plays, really, make plays. And they want length to do that. Darius Leonard was the ideal. 
He wasn't carrying guys up the seam a whole lot. He wasn't playing man coverage a whole lot. It was underneath zone, eyes on quarterback, eyes on quarterback, get in the lane, put your arms up, disrupt the throw when it happens. Roquan Smith is small. He's short and he has short arms. So he's just not really that big of an obstacle to throw it around. So if you're not going to utilize him like running down the field and and doing crazy th- and mugging him up and and having him cover large ground and disguising him, like you're not really getting the most out of Roquan Smith. So you might as well trade Roquan Smith away and then bring in a guy who you think can do what you want a linebacker to do more than Roquan does. My problem with the signing is you don't need to pay like $90 million or whatever it was, 70 million. I I don't know. You don't need to pay all that money for a linebacker to do those exact things. I think like just find someone cheaper who also has the length because it's not that hard of a job to stand there and read the eyes of the, like it doesn't require an insane amount of athleticism or in my opinion, like high end skill to play linebacker in Eberflus's scheme. Darius Leonard was a special case because he forces eight turnovers per 17 games he plays in, in terms of interceptions <laughs> and forced yeah. fumbled. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? Eight, yeah. like every other game, he's forcing a fumble or getting a pick over the course of his career. And it's been, it's been years now. So when you're paying Darius Leonard or Shaquille Leonard, I'm sorry, he's going by Shaquille now. Uh, and I should say that, uh, but when you're paying Shaq Leonard, it's because of the turnovers. It's not because of what he's doing in coverage or what he's doing in run support. It's because he forces a game breaking, like a game winning play almost every other game over the course of his career. That's why you pay him. Tremaine Edmonds doesn't do that. Tremaine Edmonds has forced like three turnovers in his entire career, two forced fumbles, I'm sorry, he's forced seven, seven in his whole career, uh, which is, you know, I guess a fine number. I mean, I, I don't particularly always think of like production on the ball for linebackers as like the main thing. But when it's as notable as Leonard, I think you have to stand up and take note. But with, you know, with Tremaine Edmonds, it's not happening nearly as frequently. And maybe they think they can teach him to create more turnovers. But if you can teach him that, why do you need to pay like all that money for him? Like, why not draft someone? And maybe it was just a weak linebacker class and they just didn't like anybody and they just needed a linebacker more than anything in the world. But I think if you have Roquan Smith and there's not really another Darius or Shaquille Leonard out there, like I would just probably adjust the scheme instead of paying a bunch of money for a more mundane linebacker. And so that's my thoughts on the thing. I think it's fine. I so, think it's a good scheme fit. I just don't think linebackers are like super crucial in that scheme unless they're creating turnovers at a rate that Darius Shaquille Leonard is doing so, that is kicking my ass. So Theo, can I ask you this? If you yeah. if your if your argument is that you think that skill set can be found for cheaper, do you have a player in mind that fits the frame of Tremaine Edmonds, but maybe would be a little bit more low profile and wouldn't cost as much. Jack Sanborn, the guy on the team who played pretty well last year. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how long he is, but like if I'm them, I might sign TJ Edwards and then 
I would probably just have rolled with uh, Jack Sanborn, the guy on the team who took over after they traded Roquan in the middle of the season. And he, I guess his arm length and wingspan is also real short. So he wasn't quite what they were going for, but I don't know. I, I just think like the only linebackers that I can think of with that kind of length is like Fred Warner and Edmonds. You're right, but it's like, how much are you paying for length, you know? Like, I would adjust the scheme if you really need length. It just is such a departure of what we heard after the Roquan trade. It's like, oh, you know, linebackers, we've done studies on positional value, and linebackers aren't one of those guys that we need to we need to pay. And then they're like, well, we'll give a bunch of money to Edmonds. And it's like, well, what is it? Because I kind of agreed, like, okay, if you're going to ship out Roquan because you don't think you need a middle linebacker to have an elite defense, fine. But then why are you... Why are you downgrading? And Bears fans keep being like, well, you know, we got a second and we're paying, you know, just as much money for a scheme. It's like, I guess it's good that you got a second, but that's a separate transaction than signing Edmonds. You're still wrapping up tons of money in the linebacker position for what I believe is a less talented linebacker. And then Roquan went to Baltimore and Baltimore ran a defensive system where it's like he's running all over the place. He's he's mugged up. He's blitzing. He's he's covering guys in man. Like he's doing all these different things and playing Mike and being closer to the passing strength. And he turned their defense around. Like the numbers after Roquan yeah. Smith joined were like fantastic, and he made second team All Pro or whatever it was. It's like if I I think a really good defensive coordinator should just play more like that when they have a guy like Roquan Smith instead of you know trying to force him in a round hole when he's a square peg and then yeah paying a bunch of money when it's like you were kind of on the right track with trading him away that like linebacker isn't crazy valuable in the scheme unless they're creating a lot of turnovers which Jermaine Edmonds doesn't do so yeah it's just a confusing signing and I think it'll go fine like I think Jermaine Edmonds will be like better than the alternative but I just don't think it's a super efficient use of money and i i don't track their logic so that is my take on that situation just fully laid out i think it'll go fine too that's the thing it's like it's gonna be fine like he he is what they ask him to do like he was was fine for the bills last year but could that money have been spent better like on an edge rusher when their front seven is so bad still and their pass rush is so bad? Like probably I'd rather see something like that, a, a trade get made and a contract given out. Like, I don't know, but to give it to an off ball linebacker just cause he can clog a passing lane and read an eyes. It's like, I, I don't know. I think you could have spent less money on that and then more money on the edge instead of vice versa. So that's my take on it. Uh-huh. I mean, <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with you. I don't know. I just think it I just don't know if you would have found a player that they were really looking for. I, I think maybe they just got to a point where like this is ultimately what we was like you you can have like a take on like the linebacker position early on in the like early on in the season and be like, okay, we don't need to do this. But then when you're actually looking at what you want at the linebacker position and then realize that you're going to have to pay that price point to get there, it might contradict what you said earlier, but then what are you just going to like fall victim to sunk cost fallacy and have like no one. So I don't know. 
that's that's just kind of a tough eval for me. Yeah, but I just think the next guy. If you're gonna if you're gonna trade <laughs> Roquan Smith away because you don't think linebackers are like super valuable, right. uh, why would you then turn around and sign Tremaine Edmonds? I, they probably just like changed their mind. They like realized they needed well, something. Well, if they're changing their mind, <laughs> yeah, right. like four months and they're stupid. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. I guess. I, I guess. I, I agree. I'm tr- I don't I'm tr- think what Ed- Edmonds does is is that valuable, and he's a good player. But this is kind right. of like. Yeah, like, okay, people view it as, like, um, Roquan, and we, we we got a second, we got rid of Roquan, and we brought back somebody as good as Edmonds. I think Roquan's better, and I think it's, like, opting to take on a draft pick for the sake of, like, going from somebody who really is, like, maybe, like, the number one or number two at their position to somebody who is really good, but screams being the type of guy that's getting, like, the top-end contract who is only pretty good. And that's like the number one thing you want to avoid. When you see guys in free agency, typically it's this guy's pretty good, but you have to give them the top end contract and they're not quite like tier one, you know? Yeah. I also, what did the Bears have the Bears analytics? What was that? That photo? The cylinder. You know what I'm talking the cylinder. About? Yes, yes. The cylinder. Yeah. I do remember the cylinder. Don't question the Bears analytics cylinder, I say. <laughs> I guess that's true. They've got a cylinder and I just have whatever I have. I don't know. But like, <laughs> I think Bears fans, if they didn't sign Tremaine Edmonds and they were rolling with Jack Sanborn and TJ Edwards right now, I don't think every any Bears fans and would be like too disappointed by that. Like they would have found a way just like they were doing after the Roquan Smith trade. Like this is where their logic was at. Like Sanborn has flashed. TJ Edwards is underrated and like was a good bargain, which I agree with. TJ Edwards is not a crazy athlete, yeah. but he's smart. And if I want him, he's good. Like I've seen him make some crazy plays where he's just like standing there. The quarterback makes a decision and flips his eyes and, and cocks back to throw. And TJ Edwards is on it like that. Like TJ Edwards is pretty good at this. I think I thought that was a value signing for the bears. And if it was just them and Sanborn, every bears fans would, it would be very easy to convince yourself like, we traded away Rokon. We got a second. The linebacker position is fine. It's not a premium position in the NFL. We have $70 million to spend elsewhere, you know, mm-hmm. but instead they, it was kind of this about face that I just don't quite understand, but maybe, you know, maybe he's all pro. I don't know. He is, he is the longest, tallest linebacker there has ever been. So, right. Edmonds what, does have his strengths. He's 15. Yeah, he just got his driver's <laughs> license, so he'll be able to drive to practice instead of permit. having Milano drive him. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, uh, the next guy uh, that I have is another Vikings D-part, Eric Kendricks to the Chargers. And he was a, a little bit underwhelming in coverage last year, or I guess a little bit inconsistent. Um, which that's not, not good, not exciting to see. Right. As he enters 31, it's like, you're not very excited about that, but I think as a run defender, he still has some juice, which the chargers could still definitely use. Um, and I think he's still like strong enough to just like bully blockers and, you know, in the box and, you know, you know, take down off of the lineman and, 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 you know, sh- shed off like push pull. Um, and I think he's still like smart enough 
as far as like a football IQ standpoint to be a, a positive add to their linebacker room. Cause I don't know who else they would have. Cause they lost. Who did they lose? I, I'm trying. I can't. They lost I don't know who they lost in it their linebacker room, but their linebackers are so terrible <laughs> that like whoever it was, was not important because there's just absolutely <laughs> no chance that the chargers had a good linebacker last year. Like I'm trying, I thought they did. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. I don't know. Drew Tranquil? I thought they did have no Drew Tranquil is terrible. Maybe he's Van, but Van Noy is not really like an off ball backer. The same no, way. No, no. Well, like, those are the only two that they lost, so you got to be thinking of oh, one of those two. Okay, then I'm thinking of a completely different scenario then. Anyway. Troy Reader, which you shouldn't no. be thinking of. Derek no, Tus- Tuska. Just stop. <laughs> Damon Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, their linebackers are terrible, is, is, the, is the point. Anyone they have currently, anyone they have had at Eric Hendricks, I think, will be a massive upgrade over. It is like, I, I think it could be almost like a, a Bobby Wagner if, if like, if he's going downhill and pass coverage, but he still has like the IQ and run defense. But he, I think he's still a better athlete than Wagner is at this point. So I still don't think it would be a total negative. And I also, how much can we really? Like, how much of, like, an analysis can we really do on Eric Hendricks' coverage, given Ed Donatel's defense last year? <laughs> like, how much of I mean, that is Eric Hendricks, and how much of that is the defense? Uh, is how, or is the defense I, I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> I think I'm not really moved by the Eric Hendricks signing for the Chargers, like, I, I don't think he was ever an elite, elite run defender, and I think he's gotten worse over the years like and they just need run defense like they need a spine of their defense and to me what would really move me for the chargers if they could make a move for someone like demario davis or if the saints were willing to move off of him or someone just a little bit more physical in the in the middle of the defense and it's like i just don't think eric hendricks fixes that description and like maybe he teaches and maybe they're just bringing him in to be a teacher for uh, Kenneth Murray, but Kenneth Murray has been That's true. really bad, like really bad to the point where it's like, <laughs> I don't think a few words from Eric Hendricks is going to fix it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, it's like a $30 I, I just, million. Do- it, I don't even know what his contract is. But. I think their problems are going to be about the same. And I, I think if they can't sign Drew Tranquil, like Eric Hendricks maybe just keeps it about the same because then if they didn't sign anybody, it would be Kenneth Murray and, and who else, you know, and you, it can't be that. It cannot be anybody worse than Kenneth Murray. Yeah. But I don't, it just like, seems like they're kind of standing pat. I don't know. I think Eric Hendricks at least provides you some true like sideline to sideline athleticism, like speed that I don't think they really had before. So even if you're like, well, he's not as... He's not like this true DeMario Davis linebacker, like where he just like barrels downhill. Maybe not, but he still gives you a little bit of, he, he still gives you like the athleticism and I think the vision to, to still make plays in the run game that they just like mm-hmm. otherwise do not have. Like, I still think it could be a net positive addition for them just because of the skill set that he brings. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. He's he's smart. I mean, he's he's definitely right. a very intelligent player. 
So it's like, and at, at the very least, at the very least, he's the, if you're if you're a Mike linebacker has that intelligence. All that that does help the defense. Like the one, like right, I, I've, right. I, like I've been ultra critic. I've been ultra critical of Anthony Walker, but I was talking to Brown, some Browns fans recently, and I've dialed back on that because they they're pointing out like what Anthony Walker adds that you don't really see is like he's a leader on the defense. He's telling people where to go and where to be, and and like JOK isn't doing that. Right. Even if you think JOK is a better player, you need Walker on the field to be that vocal leader, to be that like yeah. quarterback of the defense. And Eric Kendrick. I mean, we talk about the Bears the analytics cylinder from that same video they they laid out their most important traits from every position. And for linebacker, one of them was, you know, leadership communication skills. And that's something, yeah. you know, you say you wouldn't get that from JOK. It's like, I don't know. What do we get that from JOK? I have no idea. Well, actually, I yeah, no I don't. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah I, I'm not going to say if we will get that from JOK, but like, if, you know, from the perspective of like, he was a rookie and now it's like, but yes, so you wouldn't expect him to come in right away and, and do that. Understanding defenses and getting the defense set and knowing where everyone can be. Yeah. Like if you can, as a linebacker, just eliminate a few mistakes a year and get everybody pointed, like that is valuable. And it's something we can't know. And, and, Eric Hendricks is making more money than Juke Tranquil. Like Juke Tranquil did not demand <laughs> as much money as as Eric Hendricks did on the right. open market. So hypothetically, they're they're upgrading in in some way. Even though I I don't what, think what, Eric is, Hendricks what is, is Kendrick's contract? I think it's six years, uh, six million dollars a year for two years. So okay. about thirteen million, uh, all said yeah. and done. So okay, yeah. I, I, it's it's a fine signing, but I don't think it fixes their issues. I don't think it's a, a marquee signing at this point. But you know, it can't really get worse than Chargers <laughs> linebackers play. So it can't. You're right. It can't get worse, man. Uh, Matt, you have Theo's former offensive player of the year pick, Darren Waller. Oh God! Why are you why are you calling me out like this? Going to his former two and fifteen. Team, I believe. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh, 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 come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a big fan of Waller uh, to New York. I think that there's a lot of good stuff that they can do with him. He's one of those tight ends where people will be like, actually, he's kind of a receiver. Like, he's not even really a tight end, and they're kind of right. He's like a big receiver, which is good because I, I think, I don't think Oakland, or not Oakland, Vegas, had quite the flexibility because of who they had to like move him around as much uh, as, as I'm hoping the Giants will, um, and, and I, I think it's it's a big deal because you saw so much like the Giants just didn't have the guys to really stretch the field last year, like uh, Bellinger, right? Not a not a bad player. I mean, he's a fourth round rookie and he was starting and he went and mm-hmm. did his thing. And there's you know he does classic tight end stuff, but I mean he had like five targets passed nine yards, you know, past like 10 yards. Uh, and and we know from uh, Dable's time in, in Buffalo, that's not what he wants to do with his tight end. He'd like to be able to get his tight end downfield and vertical and line him up all over the place because we know he did it with Knox. So now that you're getting Waller there, I just think it opens up a lot of things for him. And then there's also like the truth of like, well, if – Dayball can scheme open so-and-so who isn't that good with the ball in their hands and imagine Waller who is good with the ball in his hands. And it's like, yeah, 
I can't disagree with that either. So I'd say I'm relatively excited to see what they do with him. And I honestly would not be surprised if he is like, like I kind of view him as like wide receiver one on that team, you know, like that's the guy. Yeah. Uh, So I think it's really exciting for him. And I think he's still super talented. So they really didn't have any downfield like weapons at all last year. So it was hilariously bad. Well, they had, um, (laughs) what's his name? I will, I have it in front of me, luckily. Yes, Slayton is a downfield target. I guess, yeah. Yeah, Slayton Slayton had a pretty good year. Because Daniel Jones just did not throw it down the field. He threw it down the field like way less than any other quarterback. So to grab Hyatt and Waller, uh, who can threaten down the field, like Waller, not in quite the same way, but up the seam, you can still take some shots to him, 10, 15 plus yards down the field up the seam. I like his uh, route running ability. He's knows how to mm-hmm. deal with contact down the field with some arm overs, like an edge rusher. He has made great adjustments to the ball. Like he's got great hands. Well, no, he doesn't have great hands, but he has, <laughs> he doesn't have reliable hands, but he's capable of making some pretty spectacular catches. I will say that. Um, and I think about him with Dayball and all the play action that they'll be running and, and rollouts and just let him cross the entire formation and run away from safeties and linebackers. Like he's still fast enough to do all that and then make acrobatic catches and, and pick up yards after the catch. So I, I for a third round pick, because I don't even think they signed him. He's just an offseason addition. For a third round pick they can easily get out of, like I I think that that was really shrewd by the Giants and I agree that it was a it was a good process because they got there's probably aren't five teams in the league who got less out of their tight ends last year than the than the Giants. This was a pretty cost effective way and low risk way to get from the bottom of the league to to maybe towards the top. Yeah, yeah, I think it could be a. I think you know, any any addition. I mean, they they made some pretty good some pretty good moves to, to strengthen their receiving core, I think. And, yeah. And, Paris and Campbell, Jalen Hyatt Campbell. in the third round. It's, it's and Hodgins tough. isn't, Hodgins isn't bad. Like Hodgins was actually pretty good last year. So it's like, they, they have some dudes there. If Daniel Jones can, can, you know, continue to progress, he's cut down on the turnovers. If you can start to see a little bit more uh, aggressiveness and taking shots ability, down the field. Yeah. yeah right. Then, then all of a sudden, the offense is starting to look really scary, right? Yeah. With, he can't with be a top QB I mean, until that happens, really. Like, right. he, to, to live up to the contract, he absolutely needs to hit shots down the field. And, hey, like, Jalen Hurts was terrible at throwing to the middle of the field. And then, then what did they do? They were like, let's get the best middle of the field statistically <laughs> by the receiver in the league. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like, Jalen Hurts is pretty good throwing to the middle of the field. And I think that's kind of the same logic with the Giants. It's like okay, we've got the worst vertical threat quarterback in the league. Instead of just <laughs> avoiding vertical threats for wide receiver, let's help him out and get like a vertical threat at tight end and receiver. Well, and I, I'll also, I, I, I think that's a little bit unfair. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that Daniel Jones is good vertically, but neither were his receivers. You know, how much of that is on those guys it's got to be at least somewhat the way somewhat. i look at it is if if, if, if yeah. they all can scheme open guys you know and you feel confident about just like getting people open who you know aren't, aren't super super high level like talents or whatever you might as well make those guys fast 
So if you can get them in space, you know, they've mm-hmm. got a little bit more juice. Cause that, that, that's how I feel about like Campbell is not really moving me. Hyatt, we'll see. Um, he could be good, but I don't want to put too much faith into a third round rookie who I thought played a pretty limited role in college. So we'll see. I, I just, I think getting any, any sort of receiving talent for the Giants is a big deal. Yeah, I think so too. And I think I think the focus on getting vertical guys is good because you're right. Like it's not all on Daniel Jones. I think some of it was, and I know I I think some of it was. I think Slayton was a decent enough vertical threat. There are times where guys seemed open downfield and he was a bit too conservative, but that can get better with better players around him. Absolutely. Right. And it was definitely not having guys like that around was a huge part of it. So it's needed is a needed addition. And I think they did it in a, in a cost efficient way, giving up two third round picks for Waller and Hyatt, and then not giving Paris Campbell too big of a deal. And Paris Campbell can still be a, a nice piece of a depth in receiving core in a receiving. Get a little bit. You can get a little gadgety with, with Paris Campbell. You talk about mm-hmm. guys in space making plays after the catch. Yeah, I kind of like Paris Campbell, but I don't yeah. Ohio State legend. Uh, Theo, your next guy, Jawan Taylor, Jags to the Chiefs. Yeah. Let's hear about it's it. It's a really good signing for the Chiefs. It's a really, really wow. good signing. A signing for the that Theo likes. Oh I, my I, gosh. I, this one <laughs> I liked more thought? than Davenport and Tremaine Edmonds. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's he was sixth in PFF's pass blocking efficiency last year. He was top ten in that. And mm-hmm. when I watched him, I saw a guy with long arms, with patience, with a good punch and the ability to stay connected and kind of contort his body. The one thing about him I would say from a negative in, in terms of pass blocking is his explosiveness out of his stance. It's a lot of little steps instead of one big one. And I think that that can mm-hmm. kind of cause him to underset and get be vulnerable to an inside counter because he's got a. if you imagine there's an edge rusher threatening up the sideline you didn't take a very big first step so to reach the guy going around the arc you've kind of got to turn your body and when you turn your body and if they counter back inside you can get put in a bad position and like that's the type of move that worries me about Jawan Taylor but you know he's a tough guy to to beat right through like I saw in the playoff game Chris Jones try to go through him and he would he would lock up Chris Jones there were times where he would you would snatch and trap him so the bull rush his arms would be exp- extended from the defensive lineman and he was able to kind of pull him down and use that leverage or balance against the defensive player so yeah just a, a real sticky player in in pass blocking and the Chiefs you know they got Mahomes and Kelsey and they'll be pass. You need a lot of pass protection. So to go from Orlando Brown, who was 50th last year in this uh, pass blocking efficiency stat, to someone who is sixth and upgrade like that, I think, I think that's a that's a big deal. The thing is, not a good run blocker at all. I think like when he would mm-hmm. climb to the second level. Jawan Taylor just never would make contact with anybody from what I saw. So, but it's like, it's the chiefs, you know, they're not going to be running it a whole lot, right? You have Patrick Mahomes. Why not throw it 30, 40 times a game, you know? So I think it was a good pickup, like as an all around lineman, pass blocking and run blocking, you know, you know, maybe Orlando Brown has an argument, but as a pure pass protector, I think the chiefs were able to upgrade 
and we'll see about the other side because I believe Donovan Smith is on the other side, and that was he was looking a little uh, <laughs> a little washed last season. So I don't know if Wiley and Orlando Brown. I don't know if they upgraded both of those two, but the signing of Jawan Taylor by himself was a good solution. And I think going from Orlando Brown to him was like a pretty fair gamble from the Chiefs. And they they got Donovan Smith is not exactly a game-changing run blocker himself, no. I don't think he's a game-changing anything at this point. Last well, year was I'm, pretty I'm just, I, I I feel like I that might be interesting for them. It's definitely something to watch out for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's I mean, their interior is so good that they can still probably mask some things with like extra tight ends on the field and uh-huh. chips. And that's like, for the most part, let's just try to attack the a gaps. But yeah, you're right. That, um, the run blocking situation from both tackles is a little bit, is a little bit rough. So definitely something to keep an eye on in terms of ways to attack the chiefs or weaknesses that that offense has. Yeah, for sure. Well, we're getting down to it here. Um, I don't know how we're doing on time, but my next guy is... We're at exactly one hour as you said that. Oh, wow. That's crazy. What are the odds of that, man? Anyway. We won't be when you listen to this on the recording (laughs) because we cut some stuff. Yeah, I'm sure the editing will... But we're uh, at about an hour, so we're in a good spot. As far, yeah. All right. Well, my next guy is Cam Sutton. From the Steelers to the Lions, and I, I was, and I think we all were really critical of the Lions draft because the, it was a really good corner class, and they didn't make an effort to uh, attack that. Right? They didn't get any of those guys, especially like the first round. They they went with uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs and and Jack Campbell, mm-hmm. but you know, I I, I do think that. The additions uh, they they made at the corner position in free agency were good. Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley, and I still would have liked to have seen them add to that. But like Cam Sutton is a guy that I think the Steelers should have had high priority to keep around. I think he said that he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. So I and I and I know Steelers fans liked how he played last year. Uh, he's got quick feet, good hips. He he does a really good job of like hanging with receivers through, like uh like staying close to the hip, right? He he does a really good job at that, and he was he was pretty good uh, at uh, closing in and, and tackling on like underneath routes as well, like screens and stuff. He closes and gets underneath blockers pretty well. So like I I, I like the Lions doing I like the Lions going out and bringing that guy in in free agency and I I don't want to be like super critical and be like oh they have no corners now they didn't do anything to improve their secondary they did right their safeties are better now and they they improved their safeties uh with uh Gardner Johnson and then they got um Brian Brandt in the draft right so then they they get Cam Sutton and Emmanuel Mosley you know to to shore up their cornerback room and all of a sudden it's a it's a pretty good secondary from what it has been in the past. And I don't want to be too critical of just like completely negating that. So I, I am excited for what Cam Sutton brings to the table for them. Uh, again, I still would have liked to have seen them add more in the draft, but yeah, you know, I they think could use a, a re- dude, but they, they've got good depth. Right. Like, I like Jerry. They Jacobs. didn't get a like- superstar. 
Right. If they could get a dude at corner, like a Jalen Ramsey, like one of those elite number yeah. one corners, and then like Cameron Sutton and Jerry Jacobs and, and Brian Branch and, and CJ Gardner Johnson and Kirby Joseph, like that all forms pretty good depth around them. But it's like, do they have right. a guy, one guy who you just don't have to worry about that they could put on an island and just leave alone? Right. No. And I think that's kind of what I would have liked to have seen them attack in the draft as opposed to running back. Like if they would have drafted Christian Gonzalez (laughs) and just rolled with, you know, David Montgomery and someone else in the backfield, I would have felt a little bit better about this team. But uh, yeah, Cameron Sutton, I I don't know why the Steelers let him walk and then didn't really replace it. Well, they got Patrick Peterson, but I think the Steelers, (laughs) come on, man. (laughs) How old is Patrick Peterson? (laughs) Yeah. Patrick Peterson was pretty good last year. It's just, He's really old. You're right. You're how right. how um, old is he, man? He's old. Um, they drafted Joey Porter Jr. I don't know. I he will I be 33 in a in a few days. Sutton was a good deal. Like Sutton was a good deal, and we'll see how it plays out with the Steelers. You know, letting him walk. They they did address the position with two a, a big signing and a big draft pick. But yeah, Joey it was Porter. a good bargain for the Lions, and I think. Um, He's he was better last season than Akuda. He was a bit more consistent. Akuda right. maybe had the better high end reps when he would do the two handed jam and totally shut someone down. But week to week, Sutton was the better player. So to trade away Akuda and get Sutton, I think was uh, I think it was decent. Although Sutton, Akuda, we'll see. I I, I still kind the, of the think one Akuda the one be, criticism that you could give to to Cam Sutton is that like last year is the only real like good year like i think it was 2021 where he kind of established himself as like a like a starter right because i think that's when he was like the every down corner but last year was the first time that he's really like stepped into a role like stepped into being like the number one corner on a team he was like he was eighth i think in in uh passer rating allowed he was he had like 18 pass deflections and and three interceptions mm-hmm. but like yeah, that's 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 like half of his that's like half of the production that he's had in his entire career was all last year mm-hmm. um so that's that's the one thing that's a little bit scary it's like well if that doesn't translate and does it, if that doesn't continue and you just kind of revert to just being like a guy then all of a sudden it's it's not looking like such a great signing. That would be the one concern is maybe the Steelers think that's kind of a one hit like a one hit wonder. But I don't know. Yeah. I think it's a good signing. I think those are the exact type of signings free agency is for. It's not really for right. the, the huge ones. It's not for, you know, the the absolute bank breakers. It's, you know, get out better on the margins, you know, sign some deals with guys who can outperform them. And yeah. that's what Cam Sutton is. I, I think that he can, that's kind of the low cost, good player that free agency that moves me in free agency more than the massive signings, like a, a Tremaine Edmonds or to some extent, even yeah. a, a Jawan Taylor, like free agency itself is an inefficient way to build a team. Cause it's <laughs> lots, it's the most money for players that other teams didn't want. Right. That's what free, right. free agency is. So it's not the most of like, that's why I'm always a little bit skeptical of like massive free agent halls, but right. pickup pickups like Cam Sutton, 
those are the ones where there's value because right, and that, that's that's what I was saying earlier. It's like what type that, yeah. what type of guy can you go pay twenty million dollars in free agency? Right, probably a guy Almost that some none. other team was like, yeah, he's good, but I'm not paying him twenty million dollars. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, that's how I feel about Edmonds, and that's how I feel about Jesse Bates. You know, the yeah. two guys we've talked about today, and both of them are very good players, but it's just a little steep. Yeah, it's not you're when you're paying them in free agency. It's like you're saying they're a top two or three player at their entire position, and or that's how you're paying them, and it's not always the reality of the situation. Although Bates, like I said, with with the Falcons, it's like I get it a little bit more with the Falcons than the Bears because. The Bears just could have paid Roquan and made Roquan happy. And the Falcons, they didn't have anybody to, like, they were just like, let's just get some stars on defense, whatever, whatever it costs. Who cares if it's an overpay? Like, we have money. Like, who's getting paid on the Falcons? <laughs> right. I suppose so. You could say Lindstrom. Grady yeah, Jarrett, Lindstrom's I guess. Getting paid. Ritter here in a couple years. But. <laughs> yeah. They got so to prepare true. for the Ritter signing. <laughs> <laughs> Ritter becomes the highest base. We got to start Ritter. clearing the books now. <laughs> well, Matt, it's just you have like- to do a one-year deal because next year it's going to prevent the. <laughs> you're going to want Ritter signed now before he inevitably breaks out. Oh, so true. <laughs> sign Ritter anyway. for a second contract before he gets good. <laughs> Before he gets good, and then you have to get a whole bunch of money. I actually, I think that's super interesting. I wonder, like, let's say you, I don't even know, could you extend him now? Is that even allowed? I don't I'm know. Not sure. I imagine you it's could if, like, both, if both <laughs> sides wanted to sign a contract. Like, I'll text, I'd imagine I'll text you Brad. I'll text Brad. Probably could. I just don't know why you ever it. would <laughs> sign a, a rookie after one season for like, either if he side. Was okay. Because if you're the player, you would say, well, I can get better and get more money like later because contracts are always going up. So it's beneficial to wait if you're both the rookie and the team. But if you're the player and you, you don't get better and for. then you're then you're kicking yourself that you didn't take that deal. Well, you know who kind of did this is Jordan Love. Jordan Love signed a contract and he I mean, it's not his first year, but like they signed him to a second contract before they knew anything about him. And if I, I my that concerns me about Jordan Love, it's like where's the dog in you to say, I'm waiting till after this year and signing a bigger contract, <laughs> right? He doesn't like, have that yeah. dog you, in it. Why not that contract negotiating? Why are you dog? signing the contract before you've proven anything? <laughs> if you think you're going to be good, you should wait a season and then sign. Well, how the contract. long? How long is the contract for? When does it? When it's is like it two through? or three years? So, so it's he'll what, be up twenty twenty five, yeah, something like that. So like he'll be up for a big okay. payday, but still, it's yeah, like, it's like what? No, that's perfectly like, on yourself, man. <laughs> I don't think I think that's perfectly fine. It's not like he'll be out of his prime. This isn't a running back we're I talking guess, about here. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But I think that pretty much wraps things up for us. Um, let us know in the comments if there's anyone that you think we missed. If there's anyone that that you guys really like, um, could be big or small signing. Appreciate you all tuning in. And as always, from the Stay Hot crew, we'll catch you all on the flippity flop.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.